we are, I'm, I'm wrapping up the, the city series. It's been a, a, a series we've been going through for the past few months, C-R-T-Y, Community, Innovation, Transformation, Yielding. Okay, community is the cornerstone of, I believe, City Lights. The word that we see in Acts 2.42 is that it's the word kenonia, which is, it's, it's, it's shared fellowship. It's, it's you, you're in fellowship for the good of one another, and our community lives that out. Brett and Claire said when they first arrived here, the amount of people that came and just bought them stuff, made sure they, they were settled in, they were given a car. That's just a testament of, of what God is doing in and through this community. May that never stop. And we will always preach it and we always try to live that out. And then innovation, as a community, we always have to be innovative in this region that we find ourselves. And it's, and it's not just for the sake of being like having a cool Instagram post or whatever. It's really to, to reach those who are far from Jesus. The next generation, we have to be aware and not get stuck in churchianity and actually just be always looking forward. I think I live, I've always been a dreamer. I uh, used to play football and I'd put my hand on my head. My mom would shout, or my dad would shout from the side, take your hands off your head and concentrate on the game. I'm like, no, I'm already dreaming of the church that I'm going to lead in 25 years' time. And um, so there was that. And then <laughs> transformation is who we are as followers of Jesus, that we be with Jesus, we become like Jesus, and we do what Jesus did. That is the plan of God for every single person sitting here. Uh, no matter your background, no matter what you've done, no matter... Uh, how badly you think you've messed up. Jesus is in the business of fixing things because he wants to fill with his presence to go change society. Cool. And then the final one is yield. And nothing else happens if we're not worshiping and praying. And uh, Starla's dad is going to be speaking on prayer next week. And he's a man that I respect around prayer. It's one of the, I'd say it's one of the, the key things of, of who he is as a leader. I remember him saying years ago to me, he said, I will always find the place of relevance in the place of prayer. That as he starts to get older and he sees all these younger guys coming up and girls and raising up leaders, he's like, he will always have a place of relevance. Not trying to be on the, like the one to be seen, but he's actually pushing people from behind, praying. So we are living in the fruits of, I think, Ash and Nadine's prayers over us, over our family, our three little kids. Uh, Starla would always tell me that her dad would walk around the pool just praying in tongues and just interceding and fighting in that place of prayer. And it's always an inspiration. And uh, so he's going to speak on prayer next week. Then it's Sean Mahlangu. It's going to be power. It always is. His mom's going to be here and his dad, I think. And they're going to be listening. So we must just cheer him on like he is, like he's a great preacher. But let's make him even, even bigger than he is. Okay, cool. So I want to just, can we turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah 29, please? I ran out this morning without my Bible, so I've got a, I don't know what version this is. CSB, Christian Standard Bible. Great. The staff listened. <laughs> Jeremiah 29 verse 4 says, This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, to the exiles are deported from Jerusalem to Babylon, from your home country into, into Dubai. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. That's a mouthful. Uh, Rocco, by the way, always finds the prettiest girl in the room and then just takes them on a tour of the church. But can't, I can't help it. He's just, it's just the way he is. Uh, Rocco's my son, by, by the way, for those who are new. He's three years old and um, he's awesome. Um, multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city uh, that I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord for it on its sorry, pray to the Lord on its behalf, 
For when it thrives, you will thrive. And we looked at what are the distinctives as us as city lights, as followers of Jesus in the city. And I love the prayers that were prayed today. I was weeping on the floor. I didn't expect to weep on the floor, but I was weeping on the floor. And, and I love that star led us into that place. We, yes, he loves them. Yes, he loves them. And I thought, oh, that's, that's it. There's something. And I had this clear picture of God just doing, like blowing over the, the sands of the desert and doing something unique and special and powerful in our time. So we need to just watch the space. We need to be the ones that are, we're going to pray for the well-being of the city because if the city thrives, we thrive. We're going to plant ourselves. And I said in the beginning, even if you've got a one or two year or three year plan here, plant yourselves like you're going to be here for the next 20 years. Throw your life into the local church because I'm telling you, not just because I lead it, I can see people's lives find purpose in, in amongst what, in this local church. And we're just a bunch of people that aren't known necessarily around the world by anyone, but we're getting on with the work of God. And it's a privilege that we get to see the kingdom of God advance in this land. So today I'm talking on yielding and I'm, I'm talking on a, on a very well-known uh, passage of scripture. And it's, it's kind of, it's in three of the four gospels. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark 12, I'm talking on yielding, worship, uh, yielding to the presence of God. Mark 12, verse 28. Let's read this together. That's awesome. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, what I love about the, the, this lawyer that begins to ask this question is he's not coming in like to trap Jesus, which some of the guys were doing. He's genuinely wanting to know. He says, uh, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I love the word commandment. It's not commandments. It's, it's loving both God and others as is, is, is I worship to him. Well said, teacher, the man replied. Imagine saying that to God. Oh, well said. Um, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings or sacrifices. He's asking this kind of, posing this question. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask any more questions. Jesus was a boss that he would able to kind of answer a question that, okay, well, we're going to end up looking stupid. Let's just not ask any more questions. It's amazing what it starts with here. It starts with, uh, uh, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's, that, that thing about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is actually from the, the Hebrew uh, thing called the Shema. And uh, devout Jews back then and even to this day would pray morning and evening. And they'd pray that prayer almost religiously. But it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's bringing into their life this, this recognizing that, that, God, that God is present amongst them, that they'd speak it out. And it was this thing that made God, them aware of God all the time. Now, the word for Shema in the Hebrew, there's no two separate words for listening and obeying. It's the same word, Shema. And when I think of that, it's like when God speaks to us, He doesn't just speak to us and just think, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to speak to you and hopefully you respond. No, God always needs a response from us. 
that when we shama, when we, when we listen, when we lean into God, He's going to speak something, but He doesn't expect us to just absorb it like we do maybe in universities or whatever. He actually expects us to go out and do. That's how Jesus brought through His disciples, that He would preach the Word. He says, now you go do it. He says, oh, where's, the, where's the food and the bread going to come from? He goes, well, let's go collect what we have, and we're going to multiply this, then you go out. That's how God works with us. He, he plants the his seed of His Word inside of our hearts and expects us to do but yet we can have selective hearing. Who's got kids? You know they have selective hearing. And it starts at a young age. Rocco, don't pick your nose. He knows that he's picking his nose and it irritates Starla. And I said in the first meeting, it doesn't actually irritate me because I've done some study on it. It's okay because it actually is a bit of antibiotic getting into their system. It's making their immune system stronger. But that's just for free, okay? Um, so, but I have to be in solidarity with Starla. So I'm like, no, stop it, Rocco, stop it. And, um, and, but he, he doesn't listen. But then when it's, and he, he's like, you think that he's not listening. But then all of a sudden, he sees in the background his brother or his sister go for his pizza or his piece of toast. And he's all of a sudden, and he's alert and he runs and he goes, no. He's got selective hearing. And if, husbands, if we're honest, we also do. Uh, in the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we hear what we want to hear, and, uh, and it's, it often gets us into trouble. Um, but I think sometimes it's like that when God is with us, he, He's going, you guys are having selective hearing. I know I'm speaking to you, but you're not doing what I'm saying. With God, it was one in the same. When He speaks, He expects us to do. It's, uh, uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 13, quoting Isaiah. It says, so that... So they show that, uh, okay, there we go. I messed that up the first meeting. I messed that up again. You people will listen and listen, but you will not understand. You will look and look, but you will not really see. Yes, the minds of these people are closed. They have ears, but they do not listen. The word Shema is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's not just meant to be heard. It's meant to be lived out. So let's break this thing apart. Love the Lord your God. The greatest commandment that God gives us is to love Him. And uh, last week, is, is Clem here? I think she was teaching in the first meeting, Clementine. Last week, uh, I had the privilege of marrying Clementine and Ian. And uh, it was an, an awesome time. Uh, the day before I went to the rehearsal, must admit, felt quite intimidated because it's, it's people you don't know. At least I know you guys actually want to be here, most of you at least, maybe some of you were forced to be here, but that's fine, you're sitting down at the moment. But at, at that meeting, at, sorry, at, at the wedding, I just knew that they were there for the free drinks and the free food. Like, so whatever happens in between, oh, we celebrate, that's nice. And I was just at the rehearsal and I, I genuinely said, God, like, I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to just bring a nice wedding message, like, Love is patient, love is kind. Uh, you know, I did end up going there in, in, anyway, but I just felt God speak to me so clearly. He says, just show everyone that I love them. And it was an incredible uh, opportunity to, to just speak about the love of God in the context of marriage. It's obviously celebrating Ian and Clem and just this uh, amazing wedding that was put on. But in amongst that, I was able to weave in and speak about the love of Jesus. And how his sacrificial love, and I got everyone to repeat after me. I said, can we say the word love? And they said, love. And I said, can we say the word agape? And I know for most of those people in that room, they may have grown up in kind of some form of religious uh, kind of 
view of church and maybe had to go there like once or twice a year because their parents forced them or to get christened or whatever it was. But I started to unpack and un- help them understand what agape is. When we, it's the highest form of love. There's, there's many words for love in the Greek language which the New Testament is written in. But the highest form of love is agape. It's self-sacrificial love. It's a pouring out of your own life for others, for the good of others. And, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's expressed itself fully and wholly in Jesus Christ, who was the only innocent person to walk on this planet, but he, yet he went to the cross for us. He dwelt amongst us, which is the Christmas time that we're celebrating. And he went on the cross for us. And he died for us. He, he pinned every single sin, past, present, and future, upon himself, selflessly. He was innocent. He was the only one that was ever innocent. And he did that so we can walk free, so that we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven. That is agape love. And I think the way I try to explain it to them, and it was funny because the song we sang before wasn't a hymn. It was, all you need is love. Da, 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 da. And I was like, that's cool. The Beatles may have understood something of love. But for them, it was probably maybe fickle and, and temporary. And I was like, I love you, but I, I love you not. It was, but yet God's love for us is constant. It's unchanging. It, it's, it's, it, it pours out from heaven. And when God first expresses himself in, in, in Exodus 34 to Moses, he says, he says that I'm, I'm, I don't want to get this wrong. He says, the Lord is compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The, the Hebrew word for the word agape is the word chesed or chesed, and it's, it's giving oneself fully with love and compassion. It's a faithful love. Those of you who have been betrayed in the room by a person, by a spouse, by a relative, by someone, that is not God. God is faithful. And even, the Bible says, even when we are not faithful, God is still faithful. He, it's the, the love of God is who He is. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. And we cannot know that love unless He reveals that love. I want to read um, Romans 5, 5. It says, and the hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who He has given to us. That's not what I meant to read. 1 John 4, 19. We love Him because He first loved us. And I've seen it with my kids. We, from the day they were born, and you guys know some of our story, we waited 10 years for, for children, ended up getting a surprise of two, then another one, and we've poured out love on them. And we've taught them what love is. It's the responsibility of the parents. So they only reaction in life should be love. They, the most loving kids, I know you can be biased towards your own kids, and that's fine. I've got the mic. You guys don't. But they are the most loving kids. They, they, they always want to snuggle. They, and I just thought, they, but they learned something in, in those, in those fun, they're still in the foundational years, but in those first days of being born, and even though they were sitting in a little incubator, and you're putting your hand, wow, I'm not going to cry. Um, you're putting your hand through, and you're just showing love, and you're like, oh, God. What a privilege. We, we, and that's, in a sense, in a small sense, is what agape love is, what faithful love is. You'd do anything for your children. I think mothers have that stronger than, than fathers. We, and that gets manifested when the kids are awake at night. Because Starla seems to have a lot more patience than I do. I just have visions of throwing them <laughs> against the wall. 
and I don't, okay, but you, and you repent straight afterwards, but you're just like, I just need to sleep, please. And if, you, if, you, if you're judging me for saying that, just wait. <laughs> okay, now we love them. With all your heart. The heart is known as the center of our desires and our affection. Where does your heart lean when no one's watching? Where does your heart go to when you're in a daydreaming state, when you're on holiday? Does it start to dream about other things or does it start to just pour your affection on the king? And I think it's a practice that we have to put in place. It doesn't happen automatically. I wish it did. There's a, there's a, a famous um, song. It says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's something inside of us that where our heart's affections are so easily taken by the ways of this world and by peoples of this world, and we just need to keep coming back. It's why we have church. It's why we have community. It's why uh, whenever people go overseas, I say, just get connected into a community. Get connected into a life-giving church, because that's, if, if you, like the, 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 old, the age-old story is that if you're coal and you're taken out of the fire, you're going to go out. You need to be in community. You need to be with amongst followers of Jesus. You need to be you need to be like sometimes irritated with people. Iron sharpens iron, but you need to be loved by people. You need to be encouraged by people. This is why we gather together. We often use that scripture that says, where your treasure is, your heart is also Jesus talking in the Beatitudes. And we use that scripture around finances, and it's true. And I think you could track where your heart is by where your finances flow. And that's true, but I think it's, it's the same for your time, your treasure, your talents. It's what are you using? To glorify God with your whole body, your whole heart. And then your soul is your uniqueness. Who you are, the way God made you to pour out onto him. It says, with all your mind. It's amazing. Jesus actually added this to the Shema. It wasn't there. And uh, he's allowed to do that because he's, he's the author of Scripture. And, uh, and it's just an amazing thing. And I think there's, there's two ways we could think about this. It's, it's engaging God with our minds. And I know some incredibly and not of incredibly smart people who are in love with Jesus but they found that root through their minds and some of you just get uh, alive with that stuff it's apologetics it's it's reading tons of books and then there's some people who feel it with just their heart and but I, I think there's two things so it's 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 thinking about the deep things of God but also about thinking about God constantly it's having God on your mind. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's releasing all these other things and, and pushing other things away and putting God as first in your minds. A.W. Tozer famously said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Famous quote. When we think about God, what do we think about? For me, it's a father. He's, he loves me. Had an amazing experience with our father, my father, in, um, in England, just, just really, like, and those are like few and far between, but it just ignited something in my heart. So, I don't know if you guys know, but the most Googled verse of 2022 is Philippians 4.6, and I think this just shows where the world's at, and it says, do not be anxious, but I'm going to read from verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. Now, the world is looking for that peace. 
Kelly, uh, she shared in the first meeting, um, she did Alpha, but she got set free of anxiety a few weeks ago. And I do believe that anxiety is not the portion of a follower of Jesus. Because I've experienced it myself and I've come out of it. And when I, when I have gone back into it, I was like, no, that is not of God. And don't think that you have to own this thing, take tablets for it. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God will bring peace that you cannot understand because the Bible supersedes everything, any medicine we can take. And it says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We think anxiety is a new thing. It's, 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 a, it's a human thing. And we could come back to Scripture, and this is more than just writing it on a tablet and hopefully reciting it. And No, no, it's, 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 it's letting this live inside of you, the very Word of God live inside of you. But this is how it happens, and I love that Paul qualifies this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is how anxiety is released as a practice. Because sometimes it may not be like immediate. Sometimes someone will lay hands on you, and anxiety will leave, and that's what we trust for, and I love that. But sometimes there's some deep-seated stuff. So what do we go back to? We, we start to think on things that are lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, godly, just exalting them. And then you start to replace those old thoughts, that old pattern of thinking. And eventually your mind and your shift, and you get transformed by the renewing of your mind as you let the Word of God dwell in your hearts richly. And it says, finally, with all of your strength. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, it says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and my time of departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And so often we can think that our Christianity is about, it's just a, a spiritual thing, and then my body does this. Now your body, everything is linked. In, in Jewish thought, it was all linked together. We, it's, it's very much like a, a Greek thought or kind of the, 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 what we grew up with and the education that we had, that it's all separate. It's like, okay, my, my spiritual is on Sunday, but my Monday is secular. No, no, it's all in one. And we get to worship God with our bodies. And I love what Paul says. He poured out his life. And if you go read in Corinthians, the amount of times he was beaten, whipped, shipwrecked, he poured out his life. It wasn't just the spiritual thing that he wrote books about it. He lived it. He poured out his life for the king. And I love this. It ends with, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is quoting Leviticus 19, and he's, he's adding, and he says this, and I said in the beginning, but this commandment, this, this love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself is one commandment. That we cannot, uh, I always get this wrong, horizon, okay, there we go. Horizontal worship and vertical worship are interlinked. That we have to love one another. We can't, and that's why the Bible's so clear about at least trying to make peace with people. Because you're not going to always be able to make peace. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be your best friend. That, that, there's, there's stuff that happens in life, but you know, you have to go before God and say, at least I've tried my best to sort out this so I can worship you. The Bible even says for husbands and wives that if, 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 if you're not in a good space, husband, and you're fighting with your wife, your prayers are hindered. I'm very much paraphrasing that. But I'll find you the verse at some point. Brian can maybe find the verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. I'm going to end here. May the, Lord, may, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. The end goal 
for us is to become a people of love. The end goal of us is to become like Christ. Long-suffering, enduring, patient, kind, gentle. Can the worship team please come up? And uh, can we also hand out the communion, please? Just to end, there's uh, the lawyer's response basically saying to Jesus, so Jesus, you're telling me that I don't have to do all these sacrifices and stuff. He's saying, yes, just focus on me. So if there was a burning building and you had to take a few things, like this is the essential, the essential part of our lives is worship. The essential part of our lives is loving God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I'm just going to give a bit of time for everything to be handed out. Maybe just take this moment to just reflect on, on Jesus, what he's done for you, on his love. I did feel that... Um, God wants to reignite a passion for Him. Some of you may have sensed it at different points in your life, and maybe it's a bit of like a, an up and down, but I really feel God just wants, this morning just wants to bring a renewed sense of His love into your hearts. It's going to be the motivator. It's going to be the thing that's going to awaken your spirit to Him. So let's just, let's just go, come before our Father, and then we're going to break bread together. Father, we thank you that um, this is a celebration of your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection. God, that you're alive, that you're here with us. And so these, this bread and this juice, is, it's more than just symbols, Father. We know that it represents your sacrifice on the cross, which brought victory victory over anxiety, victory over sickness, victory ultimately over sin, that you defeated it and there's a point where you cried out, it is finished. From that point on the cross, it, it was finished. And thank you, Father, that as we do this, it's just, it's in a sense just going back to that place and just reliving it and thanking you this is the last communion of the year. So obviously we've got Christmas in a few weeks' time. But just can we just be thankful? Just thank the Father. Thank you for 2022. Even if it's been tough. Thank you that you're still standing. That you're still sitting here. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 